Welcome back to Podcast Recovery, everyone. We're your hosts, David O. And Eric V. Today, we are uh, joined by our special guest, Sean, (laughs) S-E-A-N. How are you doing today, Sean? I'm not too bad. How are you guys doing? Doing well, man. Good. Doing well. Good. Where are you from, Sean? I am originally from Florida, but for the past um, eight years, I've been living in Philly. Oh, all right, right up the road. Yeah, you're you're in our neck of the woods. You're not too far. We're we're right below Baltimore. So, all right, hi. Okay, yeah. So, uh, when were you first introduced to recovery? I was first introduced to it in 2009. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had got some trouble, and I had to go to. Um, I ended up in a rehab facility, and I had to go to. Um, AA meetings for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not take it seriously, though. I was uh, I was very much in denial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, things got uh, you know. I, I think I was sober for maybe I don't know five or six months, and then I just I took right off again. Yep. Yep. Tales old as time. I've been in and out of the room for, for yeah since then, and this time it's 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 stuck. All right. And uh, how long have you been uh, sober? I have been sober for the eighth. Will be nineteen months. Fantastic! Nice. That's awesome, man. Yeah. All right. Well, without further ado, we're going to turn it over to you to share your story with us. So take it away. Hey, thanks. So, um, let's see. I'll just at the beginning. You know, I, I grew up uh, in a small town in Florida. Um, I had, uh, you know, I've. I've I've uh, kind of compared where I grew up to, uh, you know, if you've ever seen American Beauty, it's mm-hmm. a nice neighborhood, but once you get individual houses, you see all the little problems going on. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I, uh, I did not get along with uh, my father at all. We hated each other for, um, well, for, we had, always have. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least it, it seemed that way. Um, from a very young age, I, um, I did not feel comfortable in my own skin. I know a lot of people in recovery say that, and I'm no different. Um, I was the type of kid who was, you know, very laid back, very relaxed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was into the arts. I was into science. And, you know, I had a father who was very type A personality, very tough love, uh, your stereotypical jock. Yeah. Um, love, that was a source of a lot of tension. Um, and it, it didn't get any better as I got older. Um, I, I didn't really, you know, there was always alcohol in the house, mm-hmm. but, uh, I never really touched it. I never really took an interest in it. Uh, I did notice, however, growing up that, uh, normal drinking to me meant, uh, you know, it's people getting just absolutely smashed, mm-hmm. uh, which of course later in life, I just thought, what I was doing was normal. I thought I was just partying. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I didn't really touch it. I didn't take an interest in it. I think the first time I had, you know, my, my, my relatives used to give me, you know, a sip of beer or every now and then yeah. someone would give me some scotch. Um, Ugh. but I didn't really, the, I didn't really drink until I was about 13 years old. Mm-hmm. And, um, what was your first was drink? On, my like, first drink was tequila. Was what? Tequila. Wow. At 13? Yeah. I was, I was on a school trip, and looking back on it, I, I don't know if this trip was actually sanctioned by the school, but uh, I was in Mexico City, and I had uh, a roommate who had been held back a few times. He was 16, still in seventh or eighth grade, but he looked older. So yeah. he went out, he bought a tequila, Came back with it. Came back with a couple people from a school that was traveling with us who were from, I think, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was asleep, and uh, they woke me up because they're you know they're all drunk. Mm-hmm. And he asked if I wanted to take a shot, and I wanted to be cool. Yeah. So uh, I took it. I hated it. Um, yeah. And I, I think I went to bed right afterwards. It's just I I wanted to vomit. Um, well, that was a, that was my first experience with alcohol, and I, I didn't like it at mm-hmm. all. Um, even for the next couple of years, 
I, um, I started playing music a lot. Uh, I started skateboarding. Um, you know, this is the, this is the, uh, early two thousands when Tony Hawk was big. So every kid on a skateboard oh, yeah. thought he was going to be the next. Uh, um, and I, I adopted this, this, uh, this straight edge lifestyle. Um, but it, you know, it stuck for a couple years. And when I was maybe around 16, mm-hmm. um, sort of, I, I decided to, you know, try a few things. So I would go to parties occasionally. I met some kids from a different school who I was really interested in. And, you know, we liked the same music and I was very much interested in, in, uh, the girls who went to that school. Cause they were at the time, they were the best looking women I had ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would go to parties with them and we'd, uh, you know, we'd drink a little bit, but you know, if, you know, if you had looked at me then you would just think, Oh, he's kind of doing, you know, the things that a normal teenager would do. Yeah. Uh, so I was pretty controlled. I guess I was doing what would be seen as normal. And, um, you know, I got to college and, uh, when I was, when I was around 18, you know, I'd go to parties. Um, but, Again, looking back on it, you, you you would this is you could see the beginning of a problem um, because instead of going out and doing things with my friends on the weekends, I would all, I started looking for parties. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I would buy a pack of cigarettes and I would wander campus just looking for a party to go to, mm-hmm. um, and I I did that for a couple years. Uh, I moved into my first apartment when I was 20 and, um, I, I used to, I had a roommate who was 21 and I used to steal his beer or I would blame it on someone else. Yeah, of course. Um, and, you know, I was still going to parties, but I, I was still going to class and I still held down a job. And, um, again, you know, if you looked at me at the time, you would have just thought, Oh, he's just, you know, he just likes the party. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, and when I turned 21, things got really bad at home. Mm. Um, I was going to school in Florida, and at the time, my um, my I, I was only going to school uh, maybe half an hour from where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the time, my parents had moved from from Tampa, Florida, to uh, Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and. I guess they started having problems and this is when the relationship between my father and I got even worse. Uh, you know, he'd call me cause he got into an argument with my mom and then he would take it out on me. And I didn't, I didn't really know how to handle it. Yeah. Um, I met, you know, just from the past couple years of partying, I knew where I could find a party. Yeah. Uh, by the time I was 21 I knew where all the, I knew where all the good bars were. So I started to, I mean, I took, I mean, I, I just, I took a, a, a nosedive right into the deep end. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, I, instead of going to class, you know, I'd wake up and bars, bars there opened up at 11 o'clock. So I'd go into a bar at 11 o'clock and I'd stay until bars there close at 3 a.m. So I would just open the bar and close it. Wow. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I had friends who would do the exact same thing. Um, I started working at this little dive bar. Um, I had gotten laid off from, from a retail job and, uh, I bounced around. I worked at a grocery store for a little bit mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I worked as a janitor in a synagogue and, um, you know, I used to, I used to, you know, if, if uh, if wine was involved in a religious ritual, if there was any left over, you know, I'd sneak some sneak some drinks. Um, <laughs> Stealing yeah, sacramental yeah. wine. <laughs> oh yeah, manischewitz. It's it's Ugh. Uh, it's Ugh. Really sweet, but yeah, it, it'll, it'll it's so gross. Done. It's so gross. I, I, I drank it. I remember like one time in like my teenage years, we, we had a, uh, a Jewish friend and we swiped his parents Manischewitz and like we looked at the alcohol content. And we we're like, oh, my God, we're going to get wasted. And like two sips in, I was just, it was just horrible. It tastes so yeah, bad. It's so sweet. Oh, 
But uh, yeah, I ended up working at this this little dive bar. Um, of course. Yeah. That no one really came into. The only people who came in were the regulars, of mm-hmm. which I was one. Yeah, the bar flies. Um, oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I would just go in there and I'd, I'd just drink with the customers who were also my friends. And then once the, a lot of times, well, the owner at this point knew that the bar was going to close. So the owner just stopped caring what we did. Mm. Um, closed the doors at 3 a.m. and we would stay in there until about 5 or 6. Mm-hmm. We'd go to someone's house afterwards, um, pass out for a couple hours, and then get up and do it all over again. Yeah. Um, needless to say, you know, I, uh, I I just stopped going to class. Um, but uh, you know, it, it didn't matter to me. I didn't. It, it didn't. Yeah. It, it, as long as there was a bar, as long as there was someone to drink with, you know, I didn't care. Yeah. Um, but I knew there was, I, I knew something was wrong. I just didn't want to admit it. Mm-hmm. And this time, um, my, my parents were having more and more problems. And my, my parents still had a house um, outside of Tampa that I ended up, I was living in at the time. And my father would just show up. Ah. Um, and we would just argue constantly. So I would just take off for a few days and I, I, I realized that, you know, I couldn't keep that up and, you know, I never had any money and, um, I, I ended up getting a job. Once the bar closed down, I got a job delivering pizzas. So what little money I made from tips, I would just spend at the bar. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew something was wrong and I, I, I blamed it on everything, but, uh, but my drinking. Um, so what I decided to do was, um, was enlist in the air force. Um, which, yeah, I did. I managed to hold it together. I got through, you know, military processing, uh, made it through basic training, um, got into the, you know, the best shape of my life. But, uh, the second I got to my first duty station, um, I was, I was right back out. I mean, I wasn't as bad as I was because I did have, you know, some structure. I had some discipline. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, I joined when I was, uh, 22. Uh-huh. Yeah. Two when I joined and you know, I didn't take anything seriously. Yeah. You know, I was, I was more concerned about, you know, let me, let me get the job done during the week. You know, if I have to work the weekend, fine. Um, but all I care about outside of that is, is, you know, drinking and girls. That's all I care about. Yeah. Uh, so my, uh, my first in, I actually did really well. Despite going to PT hungover Ugh. quite a few times, I held it together very well. And it turned out I was really good at my job. So within the first year, I had won a ton of awards. I had gotten um, commendations from uh, a couple commanders. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, I had something to be proud of. And I, there was even talk of me getting promoted early. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I screwed all that up when... I got a DUI. Uh, and, um, my uh, my blood alcohol content was almost three times over the legal limit. I was at a point two three, and I was walking around talking. I, I was just fine. Yeah. Wow. The uh, the Air Force instead of kicking me out, uh, they actually sent me. I was stationed in California at this time. They sent me to a rehab facility. Um. What was it? I think it was about an hour south of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And I was there for 45 days. And when I came out, I thought, okay, you know, I, I entertained the idea of having a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still didn't want to admit it. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would consider, it, I would have these moments where I would think, okay, maybe I do have a problem. Um, but then I would think, no, you know what? I'm still in my 20s. This is okay. You know, everyone I saw drinking growing up, they're way worse than I am. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> so I, I managed to stay sober for about five or six months, and I ended up, um, I, I went on leave for a little bit, and I went back to Florida, and I ran into uh, a friend of mine who I've known since uh, fourth grade, mm-hmm. and uh, he said, hey, you know, let's let's go to this bar. Let's get a couple of drinks. And I thought, you know what? 
I've done well. I'm not an alcoholic. Fuck it. Let's let's go for it. Mm-hmm. So uh, we went to this bar. We ended up getting drunk, and then we wandered around um, the University of Tampa's campus. And <laughs> we got chased by security, and they wanted to throw us off. But but um, yeah, I mean. Yeah, that, that was about it, but, uh, for that evening, but, um, yeah, uh, I, I went right back into my, my habit of, of, of drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, so I came back to California and again, you know, I, I kind of, I tried to hold it together. You know, I was really good about, um, not drinking during the week. Um, but if, if I had a long weekend, it was, it was, you know what, I'm, I'm off to the races, Yeah, you know, and I was very careful about it because my unit had, they had me in this program on base, uh, to where, you know, I had, uh, I had to talk to a counselor every week. Uh, um, you know, I wasn't allowed to drink. I was also court ordered not to drink. Um, but I was very sneaky about it. So even though my license was, uh, suspended, um, you know, Friday night, instead of drinking on base, you know, I'd go to one of the local bars where I knew no one would be. And I, you know, I'd have a couple of drinks and then I'd go to a different town and have a couple of drinks. And then, um, I, I managed to, I managed to do that for, for a little bit. Um, and then I had, when it, I had gotten myself into a little bit of trouble because I, I showed up to work one day and I, I stank mm-hmm. uh, and I tried it, but, um, you know, I, they knew, they knew that I had been drinking all weekend. Um, I got into even more trouble. Uh, we had a long weekend and I went to a town near base and, uh, I got smashed the first night and I ended up hanging out with, um, with these, um, these younger, these, like these younger kids, uh, who I just took a liking to, uh, and they ended up drugging me and stealing my car. Whoa. So, yeah. I, so of course I have to report that. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I get back to base and I'm, you know, I get interrogated by three different, uh, what was that? Three different, um, uh, like police units, mm-hmm. uh, which is terrifying by the way. I, I don't know if you've ever been interrogated by the police, but it's, it's horrifying. Yes. Uh, but, uh, you know, they wanted to know what I was doing. I'm trying to hide the fact that, oh, I was drinking when I wasn't supposed to be, but everyone knew already. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I got put on extra duty. And at this point, I really didn't care. I was also dealing with some issues with depression because mm-hmm. um, back home were not well. Uh, my parents were getting a divorce. And even though I was in my 20s, you know, you think someone in their 20s would be able to handle that. But uh, I just didn't take it well. Mm-hmm. Um so I was just constantly trying to escape. Um, but again, I mean, I, I held it together somehow so by some miracle. I, I, I finished up my time in the military. I did my four years. Uh, I got discharged in 2012. Um, and, uh, I, I moved to Philadelphia where, where I am now. I moved in with my mom for, for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I got Air Force, I had two options, either, I didn't want to stay on the West Coast, and there were just, the base was so remote, there were no, there were no jobs in the immediate area. Yeah. Um, I had a girlfriend at the time, who was very sweet, very loving, I'm sure she could have found me a job, but, uh, you know, I, I didn't, I just, I hated the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, so my options were to move in with my dad in Tampa, or move in with my mom in Philly, and uh, I had been to Philly before, and I remember the first time I came here, um, you know, I remember walking around and thinking, you know, I want to live here one day, um, which, of course, you know, I, I, I moved here, and um, uh, I moved in with mom, and I had, I still had a little bit of money in my bank account, mm-hmm. and I had no job, so mm-hmm. I just thought, well, I'm going to, I know exactly what I'm going to do. Um, I'm just going to, I'm going to do the same things I was doing, you know, before I joined the military, I'm just going to go to the bar, stay there all day and then come home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and somehow through all of that, I dated a couple of girls who 
like to party just as much as I did. Yeah. Uh, and of course that's, you know, that, that, that just turns into a shit show almost immediately. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, uh, you know, I dated around a little bit. I kept partying, even if I didn't have any cash, you know, somehow I are, are all alcoholics and addicts charming because I, I, that's something I've just seemed to notice. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> cause I would charm girls and then they, they'd, you know, they'd be paying for my drinks. Um, it's kind of a catch-22 if you think about it. Like, were we charming before the drugs, or, like, did the drugs make us charming? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. Hmm. Yeah, that really is. I'll I'll have to ask my current girlfriend now. (laughs) Yeah. She knew me when I was... Um, But, you know, I would work jobs. Uh, I would get a job. I would keep it until I got a paycheck, or, or, you know, maybe at the most I'd keep it for a, a month month and a half mm-hmm. um, get a paycheck and I would think oh I'm set and then I'd go to the bar and I'd just never go back to work again um, my mom has the patience of a saint and even though she would get angry with me you know she would she, she left me alone for a little bit but then you know it got too much for her and she would try to get me to stop or try to get me to slow down mm-hmm. um, but uh, you know we, we gave each other a lot of space uh, so I could, and we had completely different schedules. Uh, so I could just, I could just come and go as I please. It was my house too. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I ended up, I ended up in a relationship with this girl who I ended up, you know, uh, really caring for, you know, really falling for. And, you know, she was a pretty hard drinker. Um, and, uh, that relationship ended up crashing and burning because of something I did. Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately, you know, I'm I'm working the steps, of course, and she is on my amends list. But it ended so badly that we haven't spoken in years, and she wants nothing to do with me. Yeah. Um. So, so I mean, you know, the amends are there to make, you know, but it's just a matter of, you know, if she ever wants to speak to me, those amends will be there. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I got really depressed after that and I, I started thinking about, you know, killing myself and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I started drinking more. I ended up locking myself in my room for a good two months, two or three months. It's hard to tell. It's, it's a little hazy. Mm-hmm. Um, because at the time I was just living off of, um, steel reserve and, uh, anchovy pizza. Oh God. So, that is a horrible sure diet. That is a horrible diet. Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh. Um, but finally, you know, I, I, uh, my mom had a friend over who, who I'm pretty close with as well. And I came up to, you know, drink with them. And, you know, I, we had a little heart to heart. You know, there was no yelling or anything. But, uh, you know, they, just, they both said, you know, we're really worried about you. And I said, you know what? Okay. Let me, um, let me try to, to, let, let me let me try to stay sober again. So I found this little uh, I found this little clinic that was maybe blocks from the house, mm-hmm. and going there um, almost every day. I was in outpatient therapy. Um, the the only thing the only issue I had with it was you know they they I don't know if they were really it was a methadone clinic so mm-hmm. I don't know if the there were really used to dealing with an alcoholic mm-hmm. uh, and it was it was very difficult to get a word in to be heard uh, just because you know we'd sit in groups and you'd have one person start talking and there was a lot of crosstalk yeah uh, if you were having a rough day you couldn't there was no way you could say it um, I found a, a young person's AA meeting that I really liked uh, but I stopped going uh, I stopped all of it because a friend of mine came through town and uh, I hadn't seen the guy since God, since maybe 10th grade. Mm-hmm. So we went and got, and uh, I had, I had two drinks with him. Um, mm-hmm. And then I remember walking home after that thinking, you know, I, I shouldn't, I really shouldn't get a 40. Mm-hmm. But I have some extra in my pocket and I 
you know what? I, I deserve this. And at this point, I think I've been sober for maybe, maybe a month or two. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went and got a 40 and I was just right back out there. Yeah. Um, so I did it for a few more years. Mom and I ended up moving, uh, to a different neighborhood. And I, I again, I just went right back to my, you know, the, the pattern I was used to, um, you know, work a couple jobs in the immediate area, get a paycheck, go to the local bar. They'd never see me again at work. Mm-hmm. Um, what happened at this and of course I had very little cash. Um, and what ended up happening, uh, in 2015, um, no, I'm sorry. In 2015, my father passed away. Mm-hmm. And in 2016, I got, uh, I got a small inheritance. Now with that, I was, a, I, I went and got an apartment right away. Mm-hmm. Um, so I moved into this little one bedroom and, uh, at the time I was dating, I was dating a different girl who I had been with in 2016. We had been together for about a year. Mm-hmm. We were talking about married and we were talking about, you know, having kids and, um, uh, you know, we were planning a future. The only problem was she was a much harder drinker than I was. Ooh. Um, we ended up staying together for about three years. Um, and with her now before her, I was just uh, a beer drinker. Mm-hmm. You know, I would occasionally shot or so. Um, but with her, I would watch her drink vodka out of the bottle. Ooh. And, um, whenever we would drink together, um, she would kind of push the vodka bottle into my face. And I would think, you know what? Fine, let's do this. <laughs> so I got a taste for, for that. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess my, my drinking advanced. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that relationship crashed after three years. It was just that it, it got to a point to where all we did was, uh, drink fucking fight. That's, that's all we did. Yep. And it would just, more and more out of hand every time. Um, she, I mean, it was, it was just turning to yelling and, you know, then she'd disappear into my room and say, and, you know, call the, call the police and say I was, you know, that I was hitting her. And then, you know, in reality, I'm, I'm in the living room, you know, drinking. Yeah. Um, so it would, I mean, it just got, it just got nasty. And of course, when you're, when you're not in your right state of mind, you know, you're not thinking clearly, so it's very easy to exaggerate. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, the relationship did end. Uh, there was some infidelity, not on my part. Mm. Um, and I, I've always said, you know, I, I lost a girl, but I kept the, I kept the habit. So <laughs> what I would do, yeah. Um, so I would... I would... And at that point, I, I had started doing freelance work, and I, I got into freelance work by I started doing surveys online, and then I looked for other ways to make money online, and then, you know I would get these um, little writing jobs. I'm, I'm a writer. Um, um, I actually went to uh, college on a writing scholarship, so I found a way to make a little bit of money off of that. So I would spend I would spend a couple days making a little bit of money, and then once I had Seven or eight dollars. I'd go to the liquor store and buy a bottle of vodka, bottom shelf. Didn't matter. Um, and I, I did that for oof, a year or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there were times where, where if if I didn't have enough to buy my bottle of vodka, and I'm, I'm ashamed to, I'm ashamed to admit this. But, uh, you know, it, it is worthy, uh, worthy. It is, um, it's worth noting just because if there's anyone out there who's, you know, listening and they're doing the same thing, you know, I, you know, I just want to think you're not the only one who's done this, mm-hmm. but if I had two or three in my bank account, I'd go to dollar store and I'd buy a bottle of mouthwash and I would sip on that all day. Ugh. Um, oh yeah, it's awful. It is, it is horrible. Uh, it kills your stomach. I, be- um, I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> It's, uh, I don't want to get, you know, too, too vulgar, but it looks and smells the same way coming out as it does going in. Oh. Uh, oh. Yeah. Ooh. It hurts. 
Yeah. It'll, uh, it'll get you drunk. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that's what I did for a bit. And, uh, I, you know, I thought I was doing okay. I was still, I was still in denial. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I actually learned that mouthwash, mouthwash trick from uh, the show intervention. I never would have considered that. Jeez. But I saw it on that show. Uh, I got to try that. Um, which that really, that really speaks volumes about, you know, your, your state of mind. Yeah. Your mental state. Yep. Oh, this oh, guy's yeah. going through an intervention. Let me, let me do what he did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, things kept getting worse. Um, I would see my mom, uh, my mom and I've always been close. Mm-hmm. Um, we would see each other maybe, I don't know, a couple times a month. And I could tell just by the way she looked at me, she was worried because I was so skinny and, uh, you know, because I wasn't eating properly. Yeah. Um, if I, if I really was hungry, I'd go dumpster dive, you know, dominoes down the street. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I did this for a bit and I had, and I remember I got this job in 20, 2018, late 2018, I got this really good job at a law firm, uh, just doing intake for clients. You know, if someone thought they had a case, they called the law firm. I was the one asking questions like, oh, so did this happen? To, you know, um, um, and I loved it. I absolutely loved this job, mm-hmm. uh, but I kept it for about a month. Oh. And, uh, you know, I got my paycheck. I was really happy with my paycheck. I went out on a Friday night. Uh, drink all weekend. I called them on Monday and said, Hey, you know, uh, I always use the same excuse. My apartment flooded. Um, and, uh, they said, okay, that's fine, but you absolutely have to be here tomorrow because there's uh, there's an employee meeting. Um, everyone has to be here for it. So of course I didn't show up Tuesday, got fired. And after this, I had, uh, I had a, had a bit of a breakdown. My depression got even worse. So, um, I went and I bought a bottle, um, and I was sitting at home and I was thinking, you know what? I would be better off dead. Mm. I would, I would, there's no point in me being alive anymore. I'm a failure. You know, all the things you go through, all those horrible things you think about yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was looking around my apartment thinking, okay, how do I want to do this? And then at the time I had, I had just become a godfather. Uh, one of my closest friends, uh, we've known each other since we were, we were like 12 years old. Um, I am son's godfather. I thought about him mm-hmm. and you know what? I cannot go through with this. So you know, I called the hospital. Um, I ended up spending what was it, five days in a, in a mental hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, I got out of there, you know, they put me on some medication, which, uh, which actually really helped me sleep. I wasn't sleeping when I was drinking. Yeah. Um, I was passing out, you know, you pass out, you do nothing but pass out for, for several years. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that, that, it's doing damage to you. Uh, so the medication helped me sleep. Um, but I, I got out of there and I, the, just because I was feeling better, I stayed sober for, uh, I don't know, about maybe, maybe a month. And I just started feeling that, that itch again, that pull. And I started looking up online. Can I drink on this medication? Um, and then I realized, well, you're supposed to drink in moderation. And I thought, okay, well, if I drink tonight, I just won't take the medication. Um, but I, I went back to the habit for a few months and, um, I, I, at this point, because I was feeling better, because I was getting some sleep, I was a little more, um, clear headed. Mm-hmm. And I really started thinking about what I was doing to myself. Um, so I, I was having lunch with my mom one day and she said, you know, if you want to go back to rehab, I will find a place for you. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, I, I appreciate it, but I don't think I'm going to go because and my exact words were, I don't want to go back into a cage. And I used the mental hospital as um, my excuse. And I said, no, they're, they're gonna, it's going to be just like the mental hospital. Mm. Um, I, I, just side note, but the mental hospital, I don't know if it was just this one or all mental hospitals. The food was absolutely incredible. Um, 
Um, so I, I, I ended up, I think I, I went, let's see, I stayed after that lunch with my mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went back home and, and there was another, there was another week where I was, I just kept in denial. I kept myself in denial. That I was really thinking, you know, okay, maybe I do have a problem and I'll never forget. I had, I had been downtown with uh, a couple friends and as I was leave, as I was leaving to go back home, um, something said, you know what? Just buy a bottle, just buy a bottle. No big deal. So, um, I bought this bottle, I made it home and I sat there looking at this. I'm sitting in my living room looking at the bottle and I'm thinking, why did I do this? I don't even really want this. Mm-hmm. Uh, took a couple sips off of it and I shot my mom a text. And this was, this was March 6th. Yeah. March 6th of 2019. Mm-hmm. I got this bottle, a couple sips, I shot a text to my mom and, um, I said, hey, do you have a rehab lined up? Because I, I want to go. And I told her, you know, I just bought a bottle. I don't even really want it. I just, you know, let I want to go to rehab again. And um, she called them, and they, they came and picked me up March 7th. Then, of course, I, I drank half the bottle that night, Yeah. went to bed, got up in the morning and said, you know what? This is my last ride. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. Uh, so I polished off the bottle, went into rehab drunk, Hit on hit on an intake nurse right away, um, I, and I, I I guess I told her really personal things about me, which I I didn't remember that I did until I saw her maybe two weeks into my treatment, uh-huh. and she mentioned them again, just as as kind of a joke. I'm like, oh shit, I completely forgot I told you that. Yeah. Um. But um. Yeah. Uh, March 8th, I woke up in the rehab facility. March 7th was my first day in, the, in rehab. Uh, March 8th, I woke up sober. March 8th, 2019, and I spent uh, 28 days there, and I haven't had a drink since. Nice. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, life has been, you know, when they say, you know, you're going to live a life, you know, beyond your wildest dreams, I mean, yeah, sure, you're not sitting on a beach with, you know, in a mansion with supermodels or anything like that. But, yeah. uh, you know, I, I am living, you know, a life I didn't think I would have. I mean, my first year sober, I got, you know, I was able to hold on to a job for more than you know two weeks. Um, I actually published a book. Uh, I bought a house and I got a girlfriend, um, all in here. And, um, you know, I just, I, I keep going with it. You know, I, I just, I'm, I remind, I, I take a second every day to be grateful mm-hmm. for what I have, but to remind myself, you know, if you take that one drink, you're going to lose all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I know how that tape plays out. Um, that's where I am today. I mean, the eighth of this month, what is, is that 19? Yeah, that's 19 months. Yeah. Um, so I'll be coming up on 19 months. This is the most amount of time I've ever had. Um, and I feel good. I'm off. I've been off that medication for, a while now. Uh, I, awesome. I try to exercise. Every, I quit smoking for the most part. I'll have a cigar every now and then, mm-hmm. but, uh, but you know, I, 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 don't, I don't, I'm not smoking, you know, almost a pack a day anymore. Good. Um, yeah. Don't look at me, Eric. Don't fucking look at me, Eric. I'm still smoking. So he can fucking judge me all he wants. <laughs> Smoking's bad, dude. You know, thanks. Yeah, that's that's where I'm at today. All right, nice, fantastic. We definitely have some questions for you. Um, sure. I'm just going to go ahead and start, Eric. I'm not even going to ask you because you're a dick. It's okay. Um, <laughs> so, um, one thing that like uh, really, I don't know, like why it popped out like tonight because um, I've heard it a million times. But you talked about like the quote unquote normal behavior of like partying for teenagers um it's such that's such a weird thing because like you see it in movies all the time like it's it's just like it's a high school thing and i and i still think parents even have that uh mentality of like oh you know well i did it in high school and it's like uh why 
So my, my question is like, how do we change the idea of quote unquote normal partying for teenagers and, and really look at it for what it is. And it's really like, it's kids using drugs. Like it's, is the reality. So how, how, like, how do we change that? Oh man. It's a big question. I I know. I think it just has to start with the the parents, you know, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I, you know, my, my current girlfriend and I, you know, we're talking about kids and Mm -hmm. this and, um, I can't speak for anyone else's kid, but, um, you know, I know with, with, with the kids, you know, we want to have, we're going to sit down and talk to them and say, you know, we, we understand that you're going to, you're going to want to go out and you're going to want to experiment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these, these are the dangers of doing this. You know, it's about education. And it's, it's the same thing with my godson, you know, his, his mom has been clean for, I think like eight years or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've told her, you know, once he gets older, we'll, we'll talk to him about it. Um, you, if you want to experiment, that's, that's one thing, but just know that this is a very dangerous thing you're doing. You know, your body, your brain, it's not, they're not developed. Um, you know, just know that, that putting a substance in it constantly, you are going to change your brain chemistry. It's going to change everything about you yep. and probably not for the better, not yeah. for the better at all. Yeah. Yep. All right. What you got, Eric? Don't think too hard. Uh, I was debating between two questions. Um, So, you know, let's see. I I think we'll go with the five-year question since you mentioned right before the end of your share that, you know, you bought a house, you published a book, um, and, you know, you and your girlfriend are looking at next steps, right, in the relationship. Um, Recovery to a lot of people is a one day at a time thing, but you know, with a life, you need to understand that in order to achieve things, we need to make plans. So what are some of the plans that you've kind of set for yourself um, more in a recovery sense uh, over the next five years or a life sense, like whatever, whatever, like what are some of your goals that you want to hit like in recovery that also cross over into life? Well, as far as recovery goes, you know, I just want to stay sober. You know, I, I, it is, it is something I really do take one day at a time. And, and I mean, there have been times where, where I want to take it, you, you have to take it one minute at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, recovery goes, I, I don't think too far into the future simply because this, this, this moment, this day is not guaranteed. Um, you know, I still get little cravings to drink. Um, you know, I I walk out, I walk outside of my house and, uh, you know, you know, people love to smoke weed in my neighborhood. I mean, I I never really liked weed, but you know, I see them drinking, Uh, you know, I was out walking my dog earlier and there were some, there were some, uh, girls out drinking, uh, what was it? Twisted teas. And, you know, I still have those moments where I think like, Oh man, that sounds really good. Mm -hmm. But you know, I, you know, I, I always take a step back. And I say, you know, this, I have to take this one minute at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, it gets easier with time, but, you know, it's never truly easy. Yeah. Um, and as far as, and of course, you know, I have to have that solid foundation in recovery before I can make any sort of life goals. Um, and as far as, you know, five years, as far as recovery goes, I just want to be five years sober. Mm. Uh, I would like to have a couple sponsees. Um, I'm not there yet because I'm still working through my steps. Uh-huh. Um, I'm uh, on the tenth step now. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah. The ninth step was uh, whew, that was interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oof. I have I have one more. Oh no, no, I finished it. Um, but uh, as far as life goals, you know, I've always wanted to do something in the arts, and because I because I got a book published right away. I mean, I self-published, but still, you know, I have a book out there that's published. I want to continue that. Mm-hmm. Um, I love writing. Um, I, as far as the arts go, I've done a lot. I've, I've acted. I've 
sang played music, but um, at this point in my life, you know, writing is very bad. Yeah. Um, I don't speak like a writer. I, I try not to. Yes, I, I don't know. But, um, you know, as far as five years go, you know, I would like to be married. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, well, plus, I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think the girlfriend's going to want to be, you know, a girlfriend for five years. I think after that amount of time, I'm pretty sure she's going to want to ring. Just yeah. Asking. Yep. Usually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, uh, as far as, uh, as far as a career goes, you know, that wouldn't be writing. Of course, you know, that doesn't exactly pay the bills. Mm-hmm. So whatever job I'm doing, I, I just hope I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I start with the little things, you know, I mean, right now there isn't too much work out there, but, um, no, I'll find something. Always do. Yeah. I've done so many jobs at this point. I mean, I honestly, I, I I, I I won't once once things kind of once things kind of open up and settle down, I'll, I'll be able to find a job anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I work in kitchens too. There's there's always a need for someone to work in a kitchen. Oh, uh, I just got out of the kitchen. That, that's a, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a rough job, but you know, I have a lot of experience in it. Um, but yeah, I mean, my life goals just I'm just keeping it simple right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's really it. Just just write some more. Get a get a couple books out there published. Uh, get married, and you know whatever job I'm doing, I just I hope I'm doing it well and I'm happy. Nice. That's awesome. All right. Uh, like you kind of touched, you dabbled on it a little bit. Uh, one thing, one thing that like always uh, intrigues me. Uh, because like, and I think it intrigues Eric as well, because we are narcotic users, like we drinking and drugs mm-hmm. were, were parts of our stories. And, uh, so talking with like the, like almost exclusive drinker, um, wh- why do you think your addiction never escalated towards narcotics? And why do you think you sort of stopped with drinking? You know, I've asked my I've, I've asked myself that several times because I did I have used a lot, but mm-hmm. nothing ever stopped. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think it was just maybe because it was it, it, it made me feel I, it was just I mean they all made me feel great, but mm-hmm. it was you know it was just having a couple drinks. I, I suddenly. Alcohol, for whatever reason, was the only thing that just made me feel confident. It made me feel like oh, it was like it was like I was taking, I was just letting go of every little bit of shit I had going on in my life. You know, whatever shit I had going on mm-hmm. with a girlfriend or with dad or with you know whoever. Yeah. Um, it was like taking a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Um, the other, you know that. Again, you know, it made me feel great, but it was, I think it was just, they, they were a little too intense for me. I think it was just with drinking, I, I it was much easier for me to gauge yeah. you know, how I was feeling. Two drinks will make me feel this way. Six mm-hmm. drinks will make me feel this way. 20 drinks will make me feel this way. Yeah. Um, maybe it was just that, that, that small element of control. Ooh. I, I don't know. That's, that's a yeah. good, it's a tough question. Yeah, no, it's 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 totally tough. And like, obviously, like for anybody out there listening, like it doesn't matter what you used. Like, I, I like it's it's the reasons behind it that that like we try to like get at here at like podcast recovery. Yeah. We talked to we try to talk about those like little things behind it because it, it doesn't matter if you're a narcotic user or you strictly drink or strictly smoke smoke pot. It, it's just interesting to me because yeah. like Eric and I like really did a lot. Uh, and, um, yeah. so like I, I was very much like just a, a garbage head, just like whatever you had, I was going to throw it in me. Um, oh yeah. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's just interesting to hear, uh, how the addiction manifests in other people, especially like with, uh, with other non substance, uh, addictions like sex and gambling and gaming and, and porn and all that stuff. It's, it, right. it, it's, it's really interesting how, it, how, we find ways to uh, distract ourselves. 
Yeah, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. What else you got, Eric? Think, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, oh, Sean. Oh, I, I think with alcohol too. I think it was also just the the, the experiences I would I would have. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I've always been the type of you know I've always liked people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you know because it's so socially acceptable to drink. You know, you walk into a bar, you walk into a bar with a bunch of people you don't know, and you walk out with you know new best friends you end up at someone's house you end up in a weird situation i've been in situations you know with with narcotics where it's it's just tense it's like what oh yeah like i'm glad it didn't escalate to that for you because it's it's a different ball game for sure it it really is like you get in a car with someone and it's like why does this guy have a gun oh okay that's right i forgot what we're going to pick up right now yeah yeah it's crazy and i think i don't know maybe like the whole cheers mentality gave the whole American society just did like a different take on the bar. Like it really, it really glorified yeah. a lot of shit. Like that, I think that was really probably like, I think that was probably like the first like mass like produced show where it was, it was literally a show just about bar flies. That's all it was. It really was. It really was. But like the the opening music was just like so happy and calming. It's just like where everybody knows your name, and you're like, oh, I'm really, oh, yeah. I'm really comforted dun, by that. Dun. Yeah, dun, dun, yeah. Dun. That, and like it's that's weird. And the ironic thing was Ted Danson's character was sober. Whose was Ted Danson's? Ted Danson's. Yeah, and he was yeah he was the bartender, right? Yeah, he was bartender. He was sober. Huh. That's very weird. Very bizarre. All right, what do you got? Uh, I've been rewatching it. Yeah. yeah, I think we need to all go back and watch Cheers. All right, yeah. so uh, <laughs> so you said you're on step ten. Yeah, step ten. All right, so I uh, so you haven't done all tw- all twelve, but on the ten that you've done so far. Oh, okay, okay, um, Eric. I see, There's, what, I see yeah, what you're I'm doing. Yeah, I'm taking yours. You're a dick. Well, I'm really taking mine. It was originally mine. Okay. And then you took it. All right. Um, I, I made it better. So there's a bus going 65 Oh, down my God. This is horrible. <laughs> no. No, you cannot do this. So you only can choose one step. Which step so far has been your favorite? And why? My favorite? Oh, man. Man, that's uh, man, that's a good one. Let's see. I, you know, they each have their own merits. They all have their own difficulties. Mm-hmm. I mean, as as masochistic, say as uh, as masochistic as this may sound, you know, I I actually enjoyed step nine. Um, just because you have so much to get off your chest. Yeah. Um, but there's also step one, which is just liberating in itself. And same with step, step four, making the moral inventory. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't know if I can pick a favorite. Oh. You know what? Maybe, maybe step two because because as an alcoholic, I've always craved some sort of excitement, and I think step nine. Because I didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. yeah. It was exciting. It was random. And at times it was chaotic. Yeah, for sure. That's a great answer. There's no wrong answer. Yeah, yeah there's no wrong answer. Yeah, that was just a, that, that was a, that was a curveball. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to go. We're, I think we're, we're in the lighthearted part of the sure. the show right now. So uh, sure. I'm going to go with my uh, my fun question. So this is totally a fun question. Uh, as right, as somebody who has lived on both the east and west coast, what do you find since since clearly you've you have found your place on the east coast? Uh, what do you find um, weird about people on the west coast? I, I don't understand surfer culture. I, I just don't. I, I don't understand the word they're saying, too. Yeah. There, there's a, Bro, it's just yeah, so laid back, dude. Like, you just, you just you, yeah, you need to learn how to just go with the waves, man. 
I can't. Yeah, they had their own slang, and it was. Oh, I know. I could. I couldn't. Have, couldn't understand a fucking word that was said. <laughs> <laughs> no, totally. Like, and um, keep going. Was that it? Oh no. Uh, I mean, it, you know, I think I would have enjoyed the West Coast a little bit more had I not been uh, in the military, just because you know I, I would have had more freedom to kind of explore. Yeah. Um, you know, my area a little bit more. I mean, I got to, I got to see a little bit, but, Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I was, I was really, I was really stuck to the base and the closest town was this, this tiny, tiny town that I think if, I think if it wasn't for the military base, I think there'd probably be like less than a hundred people who live there. Wow. Um, but they had what, four bars or something. Of course. Of course, yeah. I mean, what else are you going to do? Yeah, it's where everybody knows your name. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, and like me as as an East Coast guy, and don't 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 be offended, all our all our West Coasters out there. We do love you, and we appreciate you. We're just yeah, sharing. we do love you. We we're, do, we're, yeah. we're sharing our preferences. My my thing with visiting the West Coast, I just don't understand why they walk so slow. I just can't deal with it. Like <laughs> walking, like walking around San Francisco, and just everybody's just moving at like. They're in like first and second gear, and I'm in my full Maryland third, fourth gear. I'm just like walk like you fucking have a purpose. Get the fuck out of my way. I was like, I got shit to do, yeah. dude. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, you know, I never made it to San Francisco though. I think the furthest north I got was San Luis Obispo. Okay. Um, yeah, and Northern California nice. and Southern California are two different places entirely. Like it, it, it is pretty crazy. It is it, but I. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big soccer fan, so if I, you know, if I had, if I had some time, I'd drive into LA and watch the Galaxy play. Nice. Um, yeah, that was fun. I had a lot of fun with that. Hell yeah, that's awesome. All right, Eric. All right, so um, you know, with the change in recovery um, currently happening with different fellowships and you know Zoom and online meetings and online communities blossoming, you know, recovery is something that we have at our fingertips more now than ever. So what, what makes up your recovery? Like what are the different aspects um, that you use for your recovery? Oh, uh, I'm always in contact with someone. Um, you know, I haven't, well, since I've been in my house, um, I, I moved to a different neighborhood. So my, my home group is, um, I don't drive at the moment. I haven't, I haven't, well, I just started driving again. Um, my girlfriend is kind enough to let me drive her car. She's trusting me, uh, enough to drive her car. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, I've been using public transportation and to get to my old neighborhood, my, to, it takes maybe, uh, with just with walking and waiting for the bus, it can take, you know, an hour to get there. Even though it's maybe I don't know two or three miles away, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I've been doing Zoom meetings. I actually chaired a meeting uh, last Friday, um, so I'm I'm usually in touch with people from that clubhouse. Uh, I scroll around on Twitter a little too much, uh, but I've been following people who are in recovery and I've actually made some friends who um, live all over the country and I've made some friends who live in different countries. And, you know, the good thing about that is because of the different time zones, if I really need to reach out and talk to someone, I can shoot them a text and, mm-hmm. and uh, someone. Uh, so I'm always in contact with someone else who's in recovery. Um, my, um, my mother has done some research, you know, she, uh, she, I, you know, I can talk to her if I need to, but you know, I'm not going to wake her up at two in the morning though. My, uh, my girlfriend's always there for me. My sponsor's one phone call away. Um, so I do Zoom meetings when I can, um, when I can, that sounds, that sounds like I never go to them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I go to them relatively often. Uh, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to get, uh, get to them a little bit more just because I, I I've been, I've been slacking. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another thing to myself accountable. Uh, I have to remind myself that I'm in recovery. It's not something that takes a break. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it, 
it's just kind of, I mean, I think that's really it. Just reminding yourself in recovery and just being disciplined enough to not, not disciplined, but being aware mm-hmm. of yourself and what you're feeling to know, like, Hey, I, I need to reach out. I need to talk to someone. I need to get to a meeting. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So that's what I've been doing. But like I said, I got lazy for a little bit. Um, so I'm really, I'm getting back into it. Nice. Um, yeah. All right. All right. My uh, final question of the evening will be um, really kind of uh, describe the feeling when you finally accepted you had a problem and that like that final surrender and how much of like a springboard that was uh, for the future of your recovery. Oh, man, it was. It was the, the, the biggest weight, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm plenty of people have said that before, but I mean, it really is just the biggest weight yeah. to lift it off of your shoulders, off your chest. For sure. Man. Um, it, it did take me, you know, a, a few sips off of a bottle of vodka to say, yeah, I have a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, even though I was, you know, I was already on my way to getting, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't drunk yet, but you know, I definitely wasn't sober. Um, that just, I don't know. It just, it was just that I, I really felt like um, I really felt I, I really felt like I was re- I was pushing the reset button on my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I remember waking up in uh, in. In rehab, that, the first sober day in rehab, um, I remember feeling, and I, I, this might sound silly, this might sound, you know, cliche, but it, if it does, it does. But it, the sun felt brighter. Yeah. Um, even though it was cold as hell outside, you know, <laughs> everything felt warmer. Colors, and as I stayed sober longer, uh, colors felt more vivid. And I remember um, music sounded different. That was the one thing I really noticed. Um, that's something I always keep in mind. I'm always, I always remind myself of that feeling because mm-hmm. um, I don't want to lose that. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I never want to lose that. I just remind myself of it all the time. Nice. Um, and as a musician, too, you know, I, I, I like the way music sounds. I don't want to go back to every, everything's kind of dull when you're, you know, when you're messed up all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Now I know exactly what you mean. All right. Yeah. Well, are you, you're out of questions, Eric. I'm out of questions. All right. I am out of questions as well. So, all right. We would like to thank you, uh, Sean, for joining us this evening. Yeah. Absolutely, man. And uh, we want to give you one quick minute to uh, talk to anybody out there who's struggling, coming from, coming back from a relapse, trying to find that last surrender, uh, and needs to hear a message of hope. What do you have to say to them? Oh, man. Keep your head up. You might feel like shit now. You might be hating yourself at the moment, but uh, it, it, it does get a lot better. Yep. Uh, just keep your head up. Don't be afraid. And, you know, if there's not someone, if you're in a situation where you don't feel like you can reach out to anyone, like an immediate family member, you know, just know that there is a sober community that that will cheer you on, even if we don't know you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just keep your head up. We're here for you. And we know it's tough. We've done it. We've walked it. We've walked that road. I mean, some of us multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, know what you're going through. We know what you're feeling, and and if you feel like you're a bad person, trust me, you're not. Yep. Um, especially if you start going into the rooms, you hear some crazy stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. There is absolutely no judgment, none whatsoever. Yep. And if I ever meet you in person, I'll be the first one to give you a hug. Awesome. Perfect. Love it. All right, Sean, you are officially off the hot seat, my man. All right, cool. All right. 
So here at Podcast Recovery, we are aiming to expand the scope of support for recovering addicts. Accessibility and convenience of helpful services is paramount to combating addiction. We work to bring the message of recovery to every addict, wherever and whenever it is needed. We believe that a powerful voice of recovery should be obtainable, practical, and at the touch of a button. Every addict deserves to hear a message of hope, and Podcast Recovery is here to provide it. All right, everyone, I'm going to turn it over to Eric for our media statement. So here at Podcast Recovery, we are fully self-supporting, and we need your help to keep the mics on. Yeah. Oh, well, like uh, that. You like that one? I like, you like that. that? That's yeah, very yeah. organic. Uh, so um, if you would like, please join our home group, uh, which is at our Patreon page in the description below, uh, or throw some money in the digital basket <laughs> with our Venmo or PayPal accounts. And please... You know, like, subscribe, follow, comment, oh, review. Oh, the wrong too. Don't do that, but do everything I just said. And, um, you know, and that, my sorry. goodness, are you okay? I had coffee go down the wrong tube. I'm it's, sorry. It's fine. It's, first off, it's too late for coffee. It's not too late for coffee. It's 8.15 in the evening. Yeah. What's the problem? Wild. Um, but... Please like, subscribe, and do all that sort of shit with YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and anywhere else that I might not have mentioned. Absolutely. And for more information about Eric, Carly, Allie, and myself, go to podcastrecovery.com. But most importantly, everybody out there, stay safe and stay clean.